Hello, hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, happy you're here. Um, you, I'm just going to run off a couple of things that I've already seen online from your experience. You, you're, you work on the music experience at uh, Red Bull. You are the head of design at Lamar. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. yeah um, you designed, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Bumble's first app. That's correct. Yeah. So it was the Android version of Bumble when it came out. Yeah. And then you also run your own subscription agency. Yes. And also a few more things that I can tell you during yeah, the podcast. Yeah, please. Yeah. What, yeah, what else do you do? What else to do? So side, I'm a lover of uh, side projects. So I'm always trying to do new things all the time. So last year I started doing a little bit of kind of like a, um, it's like a, a mushroom based drink. Uh, I kind of, yeah, put that on the side and then moved on to cosmetics. So I'm working on a, a skincare brand uh, right now. It's called Super Skin. It'll probably be out by the end of July. Um, so that's, yeah, just two more, loads of more things to be fair. So I can take the entire podcast and tell you what I do on this, you know, as a side project. But um, yeah, it's something that I really like. Yeah, th this actually, what's funny is that I wrote down that, like, I want to talk to you specifically. Out of all our guests, I wanted to talk to you specifically about side projects. Amazing. <laughs> that, yeah, that's incredible. So this is great, um, especially finishing them, because I have a problem with that. Uh, yep. Pascal and I are trying to do this everything framer.com thing. It's going kind of well. Um, people it are. Looks, it looks yeah. great as well. Oh, yeah. thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Pascal put a ton of effort into the the written guidance and, and imagery, and I'm just trying to figure out how to like compile it into a really cool usable website. But thank you for that. Uh, for those who are not uh, on the site or haven't checked it out, check it out. Everythingframer.com. Anyways, um, so we can go down the list. Uh, I want to first talk about, and this is a topic close to home, uh, being the first in like the launch of a company's product. Uh, I, I guess, I don't know your, your situation with Bumble and how you guys sorted that out, but it must be pretty sweet to say you launched Bumble's first version of the app on using Android. So tell me about that experience. Yeah, absolutely. It's, obviously, it's been a long time ago. Um it was a studio that I run with a couple of friends. And um, I don't know how it happened, but I think it was the era when Dribbble was really quite um, popular. So every post that you used to basically post on Dribbble, everything that you used to share with people, you would get hundreds of uh, inquiries. And now obviously has died down. But at that time, every single startup, I mean, seemed to be uh, looking at designers on Dribbble. So that was an incredible experience. And um, we were quite lucky to, get, obviously, to work with a lot of companies. So beside Bumble, obviously, I worked with um, uh, like Porsche and BMW, so kind of like big car manufacturers. Um, but Bumble was an interesting one because they were not that known at that time. Well, they were kind of known because of the history of uh, kind of moving away from Tinder, starting Bumble, be a little bit of a, say, safe place for for women uh, and um they had a brand in place and they also had the ios app kind of like v1 or even pre uh, v1 whatever it was i can't remember but they asked us to design and port all the designs over to android which was quite bizarre because i really never worked on android so i'm mostly an apple guy so I always work on ios and had more experience on ios 
But at that time, for some, well, I don't know, whatever reason, they asked us to help them with the Android version of the app. And so uh, me and my friends, it was just three of us in the studio, um, worked with them. And the funny thing is actually they offered shares for Bumble and I actually refused the shares. And I said, <laughs> I said, no, I want money. <laughs> Even, you know, quite young and I needed the money. So yeah, if you look at the valuation now, you feel like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? I, I I've been thinking a little bit about that specifically. Looking back and all the choices that I've made, not mistakes, mm -hmm. choices that I've made, conscious choices, and they seem to really work out in the end because it did get you to where you are now. True. But you know, if you took the shares, there might have been a chance that the company folded because you specifically took the shares. You know, I don't want to like say that there's a different alternative timeline, you know, Marvel Universe, whatever, that kind of crap. But, you know, I think that you made a smart choice. I don't think you should feel bad about that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> don't look backwards. Look forwards. Uh, that's freaking awesome. You mentioned you, you worked for car manufacturers. Mm -hmm. You're talking about dating apps. You have, um, you worked for, so you're working for Red Bull. How and and also you say that you're also doing a skincare brand and physical products. Essentially, you're doing branding for products and the whole uh, ecosystem that comes with that. How is it that you can jump from medium to medium, or from industry to industry? So honestly, it seems easy, but how do you do that and retain such a high level of design excellence? Mm. Thank you for the kind words about design excellence. Um, I don't really, I don't know. I mean, I have a huge imposter syndrome, so I don't really see my work as amazing. So, but I do enjoy jumping from project to project because I think my brain works a little bit that way. So I, I get tired of working on one thing. Um, and the issue I had in the past as well was when I worked for one company, I would always feel very constrained and claustrophobic because of the type of work that we do. So if you're working for a startup, you're very limited to the type of work that you do. Um, even though it's fast pacing, um, there is a lot of stuff that's all very similar. And then you see the interface and then, you know, there are commitment that, I don't know, like restrictions from the development team. So you see your app morphing into something that you didn't really imagine. And so it, it becomes really uh, soul crushing after a while. So to me, from, I don't know, ages ago, I decided to move away from that and just pretty much work with clients that I really wanted to work with. So be very picky. And I've been fortunate to uh, be in that position to actually be very picky, but also have time to work on side projects because that's the only way that I can experiment, learn new things, um, and just meet more people that are fascinating to me. So um, I always you know, trying to meet people in that specific sector. So, you know, for the skincare product, for example, I met friends who are um, in that sector that I would have never met if I would just start to design, for example. That's really cool. That It shows the power of relationships and how those can just carry on forever. Yeah, absolutely. And just, I feel like even just being nice, uh, I worked with a lot of designers and, you know, there were always conflicts because I obviously understand, you know, we have that, you know, we can be really attached to our design work. And so we can be, in a way, very pedantic about the changes that are made to the designs. Um, and I know, for example, the previous 
kind of designers that were working in, with Red Bull, um, they were not very nice to work with. They were very aggressive in terms of like changes and making updates to their designs. And so there were always conflicts and it creates that sort of negative environment that you don't want to be in. Uh, I want to ask you more also about <clears throat> the project itself. Like, how do you choose? Pro but I want to ask before that, because we're already on topic. What else do you look for in collaborators? Like, are you looking to be like the sole person that's the creative and then like they just leave you alone? Or are you looking for something specific? Like they have these skills that I want to learn from, or is it like something along those lines? Yeah, so sometimes I look for the company. So if I really like the company, the positioning, and, um, you know, it could be even a small brand uh, that I might have seen online and I really want to work with them. But um, even after that, it's basically, yeah, so the freedom that you get in terms of creativity, uh, looking at the development team, so what sort of um, designs will be uh, destroyed basically like when they start developing the apps uh you know the, the skill set um and yeah basically the, the people running the the team itself and so that's also one of the reasons where i kind of moved away from really early stage startups just because you know it's it's it can be very fast-paced and uh the environment can it can be a little bit stressful for, for my liking but yeah yeah i'm actually in the weeds right now on that are you uh, okay <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny because I'm very blessed that um, I found this startup because they're very family oriented and I found mm. it to be a very strange trait that I didn't realize I wanted in a company, not because they treat necessarily me like a family, but because they care so much about their own family. They realize how to treat other people and how to manage employees. So although we're only a team of three and soon to be a team of a million, right? Um, it it's It's strangely comforting that at other startups, you know, like you said, you're rushing, trying to get the thing done. They don't really yeah. care. Sleep on the floor, you know. And then you have uh, what where, where I'm at now, and they're kind of like, yeah, like it's Fourth of July. Why are you working? Get offline, or like, you know, all these holidays and, and events, and you know, go take care of what you need to. We're here online, no worries. It's kind of remote first, but we kind of go to WeWork, whatever. So okay, so I want to switch gears to what I said before. How do you like decide this is the project I want to do? Like you said that you were mentioning like what you looked for in the people and the companies, but like what about the projects entices you to take them on? It's if it's, it's something that um, I really like. So I'll give you a recent example that happened to me. So I was contacted by a startup, UK based startup, and they all do. Uh, I think they're doing really well. Uh, I can't even remember the, the name, to be fair. But they, um, they're doing um, an app to help parents look after the kids when they're busy. I don't really know exactly um, the scope of the app, but the pay was amazing. You know, the, the team apparently was really good and they were trying to get me in the company. But it's one of those projects where I'm not, I don't have kids. So just that would completely discard the idea for me of like being interested in the app itself. So... There was, I mean, you can pay as much as you want, but I'm, I'm not going to enjoy anyway. Hmm. Um, the other thing is, for example, with the music side, I always wanted to play drums. 
So the first call that I had with the founder of this, so the way that Red Bull, I think a lot of big companies work is they've got these little kind of like mini startups inside. So they fund them and they got the team and all kind of like guiding this vision. And so the, the head of this team uh, is an amazing musician uh, based in Austria. Um, when I was talking to him, he was like, so what, what do you like to do? What, you know, why do you want to work with a, uh, in a music app? You know, like, uh, do you play instruments? And I said, no, I, I actually wanted to play guitars since a young age. Uh, sorry, drums since a young age. And little did I know that a week later, he sent me an electronic uh, drum kit. So I still, I actually have it here. It's still boxed. Um, I've not managed to unpack it. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing that, I don't know, it just resonates with my hobbies and what I want to do. Um, it really attracts me. So let me get this straight. You work for Porsche. Did they send you a Porsche? I wish. Oh, <laughs> uh, come on. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> nothing at all no i actually got some light bulbs so the porsche project was to do with some uh wi-fi li-fi they used to call them which was like light bulbs that would emit wi-fi signal yeah um and so people would just go by uh looking at their cars and kind of like getting information about their car um so i got some of those but no not a car i wish i did that's that's really funny <laughs> oh my gosh um so what got you interested in physical stuff? Because I find that designers usually stick to one or the other, branding and print and in and, and packaging and the physical experiences. And then there's the side that I'm usually sitting in, which I, I love, but I also like the ability to like make something physical and like last forever. It's like there, you can hold it forever. Mm -hmm. But then they sit in this um, digital space and they only make digital products, websites, ephemeral things that get taken down by a server you know, going down, whatever. What makes you interested in the physical side of things versus just staying in staying in your lane in, in the digital space? Yeah, I think it's a bit what you said, to be fair. It's that kind of tactile element to the physical design. And also, I've never designed uh, for print, so I don't have much experience. And I wanted to learn, so go through the entire process. And Because every time I had to open... Illustrator, for example, I would just feel like I want to cry because it's not something that I use every day. Uh, so it's like, you know, I actually need to stick to this. I need to understand kind of like the full process and like, like the bleed and all the kind of things that you need to understand, you know, when working with printers. And also um, it's kind of related to something that happened to me in the past. So there was this guy, uh, his name is Rob, um, and he was um, an employee of a studio that um I ran a few years ago a company called Fortnite, and then I sold my shares, kind of left there. And this guy started to um, look for his own side projects while he was working with us, and he launched um, a paint company called Coat. And so when I left that studio and when he started his company, it was really early stage, got like some funding, and he could spend it on branding. So he called me and he said, I love your work. Can you design all the tins of paint for me or like the brochures, all the kind of stuff? So I actually jumped at the idea because it's something that I'd never done before. I was like, yeah, let's try that. And I really enjoyed it. So like, okay, actually, I'm, you know, I'm not too bad. I can do that. Um, and that kind of how it started. And yeah, stuck with that. Uh, can I ask why you left that company? <laughs> Long story. Um Disagreements with my co-founder. Yeah, massive disagreement. Um, 
he wasn't a, uh, a designer. He came from uh, being a kind of people's person, like manager. And so it would always dismiss the time required to do some work. Um, and he would always like, talk down to designers. And I really disliked that. But we grew the company to 30 people. So it got to a stage where it became really stressful because I had to do design work and then look after the people and then do like, basically everything. Um, so yeah, that became really stressful. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience. It's terrible. I don't know. I actually appreciate how some people can get companies going when there's two or three of them as co-founders because it's really tough. And I feel like my mistake at that time was I didn't know this guy that well. Um, we met online. I never met him in person. Never. We weren't friends. And I think that's one big mistake. If I have to repeat that, I really want to run a company with someone that I know really well. And I, I've had meals together, met the family, all the kind of stuff. Because that's, that's a big difference. Like you understand how the person thinks even before you start anything. Do you think that you have to agree with them on specifics that are closer to your heart? Or do you think that it's okay to still get along with them even though you have like strong disagreements? Uh, it depends what disagreements, like if they could get really personal. And I think that's where the problem started uh, for us because there were things that became really personal for no reason, like really petty disagreements and kind of touching family and things like that. That wasn't really not necessary. Um, but I can understand, obviously, there are going to be problems, even with with your friends, you know, you can have arguments and you can talk about that. I'm I'm quite an open person, so I talk to you directly, then talk behind your back. You know, if I don't agree with something, I will tell you, and then we can discuss about that stuff. Um, I will never hold a grudge against you because I'd rather, again, kind of talk to with you. And kind of never happened with him and there was always these arguments and then grudges we, could, we wouldn't speak for days just because of his personality as well so yeah that that wasn't where I wanted to go and it caused me a lot of stress um yeah what uh non-negotiables would you now put forth if you were to go into a business with somebody else yeah that's a good question uh, never really thought about that because it was a period where he really taught me, obviously, a lot of things, but it also made me uh, very aware of p partnerships in general, just because we actually had to go through the legal route. So we couldn't agree together, so we had to get lawyers involved. So it was really expensive as well. But to me, obviously, the main thing would be knowing your potential partner. Um, because at the end of the day, it's a little bit like a marriage. You know, you spend probably more time in your business than with your partner. So you need to have that understanding, the little nuances of the relationship that you have. Um, kind of like, do you really know them that well? The, do they, uh, I don't know, like share things with you or do, do they always kind of seem a little bit off and maybe hide a few things? So things that I discovered afterwards, they also had other businesses they would run at the same time. But it was really smart by not showing that while we we're working together. Um, so there's all those little kind of things that you maybe don't really get or you maybe dismiss because you're thinking like, am I paranoid? Like, am I thinking always the negative side or is it really like that? And it actually turned out to be real. Like he had all the th things going on and 
the design business was just another venue for him to make money and kind of like go down the route of like burning someone else. Because mm. then he up and after, so he uh, joined another startup, a music startup. They're doing really well now, but when he was there, he nearly burned that company down and he wanted to take it over. Then he moved to another one and I'm like, this guy is like, yeah, yeah. Toxic. Even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yikes. So there's a little, like kind of tiny things that I can't even put my finger on, but that I kind of learned during that period and I can't even articulate it really that well, I think. Apart I think from, you did a good job yeah. articulating it. Thank so you. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I appreciate you being so honest. Um, sure. It's not... It's not easy talking about the bad times, especially times that it seems internally like it's a reflection on you. Like, oh, I made this bad choice and therefore am I really a good designer? Am I really make you know, but that's not even the case because it's not really in your control. Sometimes you don't like you have to learn and you have to fail and you have to learn from your mistakes. So yeah. it, it was a necessary thing, but Unfortunately, it happens to the best of us. So sorry that it happened. <laughs> Again, I can feel I can feel your pain. I know exactly what you're feeling. The last big project that I was on lasted three years when I was at IBM. It took a year and a half to design and a year and a half to execute and help wow. bring everyone together. So it was kind of like backlogged for, like I said, like three years. Um, but uh, I, it's so hard to imagine another project that's going to last that long so i mean yeah. that's that's cool it's also nice because you have like this ask actually do you enjoy projects that last long or do you enjoy projects that are short mm. i usually enjoy projects that last a short amount of time yeah because i like to switch i'm like yeah quick 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 <laughs> so, yeah so <laughs> i hope I, i'm gonna enjoy this one just because it's fun and the team are really nice and we get to meet every three months or so oh that's uh, cool that's cool which is cool. I think it keeps things fresh. If I was working from home all the time, I don't know if it would have lasted that long, but yeah. But you like working as a contractor, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't you don't want to ever be tied down to like one thing and then hmm. potentially. I I don't know. Depends on the perks. No, I'm joking. It's not the mm. perks. It's, it depends <laughs> in, it depends on the um the flexibility and the type of work that I do, you know. Um if I have like daily stand-ups and things like that, I'm just going to burn out. I don't think I can do that. I think there's a misconception sometimes that people think, you know, you're a freelancer, you can do whatever you want, but we know that that's not the case. Or, you know, there are deadlines, there, there are meetings and all of that kind of stuff. And sometimes it is even more challenging because, you know, you get the, that client that doesn't pay uh, on time, so you have to chase that. Then you have to worry, where is the next payment coming from? You know, all those things that mm -hmm. add the additional stress. They don't like uh, that. But... Absolutely. But then you have the freedom of like working maybe two or three projects at the same time. That um, I like. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, Brett uh, from Design Joy, don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Yeah. So that it's a crazy story. And I think, you know, kind of shows that even if you're quite open with that stuff, because in the past I used to be like, oh, I can't say I'm working on this thing because that client might get offended, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's quite open and, you know, nothing really has happened and it's actually really successful. So yeah, that's that's also. So let's talk about that real quick. So you have a subscription agency, and it's about about five thousand dollars, or I guess what yeah, is it? Yeah, put it in dollars there? now because it's a bit easier. Yeah. So uh, that's per client. How do you? How many clients do you juggle at once? 
And yes. does it work? Yeah, so it worked better in the past. Uh, I think it was when Brett started posting about this and there weren't as many as there are now because everybody kind of followed that trend. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely, I know, at least of 10 of them in the same space. Cool. Um, and it was working really well, but there is that angle. So I was talking to, I won't name, I'm, I'm sure you know him, but um, I was talking to him and he, it, this, this guy and he runs another very similar kind of like agency model. And he can only cope with a maximum of eight clients at the same time, which to me is still a lot. Like a if lot you work, clients. yeah, if you work with three clients, that is already a lot. You know, imagine jumping on calls, like three calls every single day and a call lasts you like an hour. So three hours of your day are just gone talking to like people. Then you have the mental shift. But what I think a lot of people don't really get is what Brett does, I think is very cookie cutter. So it's really like templated and a lot of people, even myself, when I launched that, I thought, oh, I'm going to provide all the same services that I do for three times the money I'm charging, but for $5,000. And that doesn't work. It takes you a long time. You know, you have to think about new stuff every single time. You have to understand the problem. So, yeah, I think if you are very, very open about what you offer, um, then it can work okay. Uh, you know, and the quality of work, it's okay. It doesn't have to be amazing. And I think Brett tweeted something earlier on today or yesterday. They actually said, like, designs don't have to be amazing. They have to be just okay. And people are still happy with that. You know, not everyone is a designer. So, you know, we only see that because we're designers. We're very pedantic with that kind of quality level. But the majority think, of people that, yeah. I think it, the subscription agency model also evaporates this romantic view about design because it, forces it to be a business in a way that we haven't seen a business model do that before. And like you said, it just has to be good enough. And yeah. my problem with that is everything's going to become very like meh and not like great. Cause like if everyone's just using their own templates better, they better be bomb ass templates for, for clients. Cause otherwise it's all going to look the same centered title header with the button below it. And then the different bento boxes uh, for all the landing pages. Now, it probably works out pretty well for the creator who's doing it. Uh, you know, I want to have Brett on the podcast, too. So if you can help us hook that up, I, I reach out yeah, to me sure. to respond. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to ask about, like, your specific amount of clients because you're a really good designer. And I know you care so much about the craft. And I can't imagine you copying the exact same template from one app or one website to the other for every client. So is, is there like any like things that you do differently with that? Yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't have as many clients at all uh, as Brett does. So I'm only working, yeah. I think right now is about three and a half, I'll say, because uh, <laughs> another client kind of comes and goes. Mm -hmm. So I'm really sticking to the small kind of like pool of clients that I get, uh, you know, they come through. And the majority. Did, did you say them, that you also raised your rates? Or you lowered them? Uh, no, I changed uh, from pounds to dollar, but I okay. kind of raised them to make sure that the value was the same. Uh, cool. And also, I've never had a client actually go through the entire process of paying before end by using Stripe like he does. Um, I've got Stripe linked, and but nobody actually went ahead and just paid before talking to me. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I, the the other thing is I don't have a portfolio there, so that's obviously I launched that website in one day, just like I'm, I'm just gonna try whatever. Um, so that you know, lots of people don't see the work behind them. But to me, it's um, yeah, I, I don't do the sort of templating system, and I think in the long run, I don't want to do it. Uh, I don't think it's gonna run forever. It's just probably like a little experiment, see how it goes, make new connections, help a few people out with design, um, and then probably shut it down and. I don't know. We'll see. It's probably a really good business model for like, like I said before, okay work. Uh, but if yeah. you really want something to be excellent, you have to give it so much more focus. And that depends on how much you want to give it, right? That is very true. Um, I was talking to the other person that I mentioned before and he was saying, you know, um, he's doing eight clients, but he has no life whatsoever. So he's working like 12, 13 hours a day, uh, no social life, nothing but it also has a successful website as well. So I don't know why he's doing that. I mean, just additional money probably. I don't know. But um, it's, it's, yeah, I agree with you, Pascal. I think it's such a an extreme way of running a business or, you know, making that level of money where you have to forego everything else in your life. Okay. So finally, I wanted to get to this other topic that I saw on your Twitter profile. I don't know if it's going to be a big topic or not, but it could be interesting. Sure. Uh, micro investments. Oh, wow. Okay. That might, yeah. So tell me, you wrote this on your thing as ADA. I don't know what that stands for. Uh, micro. Oh, the Apple Design Awards. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. That's cool. We'll talk about that. <laughs> okay. But micro investments. <laughs> <laughs> so are you investing in like startups or something? Yeah, yeah kind of. So it's, um, it's basically a, any money that I want to invest or try and, I don't know, I want to save. Um, I think, obviously, putting it in a bank account and living there is not the best solution. Uh, so I save it a little bit in S&P 500s um, and kind of do that sort of investment. But also, um, if I have friends that have companies and, I, and they're open for investment, or, for example, if I can give my time and my skills away, in exchange for shares, um, then I will also do that. Um, so I've done it with a few companies, and one of them is Coat, um, you know, the paint company that I mentioned before. Um, and I've helped them with designs and also put a little bit of money in there. They just got more funding, so they valued, I think it's like 19 million pounds or something like that. So they're growing really well, even though there is a lot of competition in that sector. Um, but the that's kind of yeah there's i don't have anything really said but i would love to do a little bit more of that and if it's not uh, money that i can invest in it's just my skills you know if i can sit and kind of like talk through the early phase of design and you know sometimes with some companies i have helped hire people as well so looked through the portfolios of potential new hires and so on so yeah it's a little bit of everything how do you t tell them i want shares not money. How do you have that conversation? If I know the people, I would do. I would just plainly ask for that. Um, okay. You know, sometimes it's uh, inbound, so they will come to me and say, "Hey, you know, can you help us? Maybe review these portfolios because we don't know anything about design." Um, but if I know the financial situation at the beginning, I'll probably just say, "Just give me shares in your company, and I will do it for X." You know, amount of time. So, so you have to trust them. I have to trust them. But and again, it's a risk. Is it like investments is a risk. So whatever happens, yeah. 
And it's also mostly on products that are physical. I don't know, I get this attraction mm. by physical products right now. So anything that is, I, can, I can see, I can touch. Um, you know, I, I get requests from a lot of software startups. And there would be, I don't know, some plugins for Figma or something AI. And they just don't really excite me. And I might be looking at this wrong because obviously software, the way that it could grow exponentially, uh, it would be a fraction of the time that a physical product would maybe grow. Um, but I still do enjoy um, seeing the actual end result in a physical item. So that to me is kind of the first type of filter. And then, you know, understanding who the founders are and, you know, their background, their past experience and all the kind of stuff. So you're, this, you're yeah. making me want to get out of software and into hardware. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so no. much harder though. Like you have to deal with manufacturing, you have to deal with shipping and there's so many yeah. issues just with that alone. Plus the whole COVID thing that stopped all the boats and stuff. True. It's like, you never know. Software is so much easier. You, you push publish and it's already across the world. Yes, that's very true. Um, and I might be, I might regress in the future. It's just sometimes it's, um, I don't know, maybe you want those challenges and, and I'll, the tricky thing for me is also because I'm very impatient in general as a person and is obviously brought in from the fast pace industry that we work in. And as you were saying, you know, software, you push a button and it, and it goes live whenever. Uh, so I'm also looking at slowing down a little bit and understanding, you know, can I, can I manage those crazy expectations that I have for being really rushed and like wanting to have something the day after that I think about it, you know, could I teach my brain to be a little bit more patient in a sense? Cool, cool. Uh, speaking of teaching, yes, weren't you launching like a course on how to mm -hmm. build a physical product that I signed up for, and you I did. still, <laughs> still <laughs> haven't heard back? I'll send you a refund. Um, yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of linked to the idea of the mushroom powder that I spoke before. Uh, when we started, but it's kind of morphing into this skincare product, which is a little bit more manageable because it's not an edible product. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of headaches that come with edible, ice, uh, kind of like food items. Right. Um, so it kind of making it a little bit easier um, to launch something in a short amount of time with less capital invested. Uh, so as soon as I get that, hopefully by the end of this month, I've got loads of material ready that I want to, publish back and kind of revitalize that course that I yeah mentioned like a year ago I think it must have been something like that you know I was so excited like oh my god this is it I'm gonna learn the things that I'm gonna launch I have a bunch of ideas that I want to launch and I just need to figure out time and figure out how to dedicate some investment to it um my girlfriend and I have some some cool ideas but what advice would you give somebody especially someone working in software to jump into the hardware and try it out yeah, so um really depends on the industry and because you mentioned hardware, but well, it could physical. be hardware yeah. physical, yeah. Because I know that some people look at hardware in terms of like electronic goods yeah. and stuff like that. That's really difficult. And I worked with it in the past and it's um, yeah, it's really, really difficult and expensive as well. Uh with uh other other type of goods. Um yeah, it depends in the industry. So what I would recommend is look at something that could be white labeled um so you don't have to go and like the route that i done was crazy because i hired people to create the formulation for me so i kind of made it really hard 
to begin with, even though it's like my first proper digital, uh, sorry, physical product, where I should have gone and looked at uh, existing products, formulations, paid the minimum amount of money to just have like a white label product. Uh, but then again, in my mind, I was like, okay, I can't have a, an existing product because a thousand other companies will probably launch the same thing. And so I kind of worked this thing in my mind probably completely wrong, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so that would be my first thing. I just have a look online. It will, could be anything. It could be skincare products. It could be coffee. You know, it could be tea, um, t-shirts, whatever it might be. Just the easiest path to launch something and to see if there is interest from the public, if uh, you enjoy the process, especially. Uh, if it's not too expensive to launch, because anything like this could be really expensive. And then to see how the entire thing goes. And maybe don't cancel it straight away. So wait at least, I don't know, nine to 12 months, see how it goes. And then if it didn't work out, just say, okay, whatever, I spent maybe a year working on this thing, move on, you know, that's it. And what advice, I'm going to ask you one more about advice. What, what advice would you give somebody that is trying to be a contractor and do all these crazy fun projects and trying to manage all of it together, especially like when they're doing their own subscription agency, what would you advice would you give to them? I would say be very specific with your time. And I know there are probably a million videos online in terms of putting everything in your calendar, making sure that you're very organized. I'm not the most organized person in the world, but I do like to, so I keep a little diary with me. Uh, so it's frame of frame hey. of branded as well. <laughs> yeah. I pull mine. I'm on the floor over there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do love it because it's flexible as well, so I can put it in my uh, in my trousers. Uh, but I do keep track, so I'll give you a quick snippet, or like the time I spend. Um, so I try. I so try to so do... for those who are not watching and they're listening. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. So you want to describe what that is? Yeah. So it's a it's a, just a small diary, and I list every thing that I do during the day. Uh, so for example, I don't know, from half past seven in the morning till eight, woke up, showered at breakfast, and then, you know, watch some YouTube videos on giving public talks, uh, and then do FaceTime with family and friends, you know, kind of like I explain everything that I do. So like a log of my day from when I get up to when I go to sleep. Um, it, and, and then at the end of the week, I analyze the time and understand if I spend too much time on YouTube, TikTok, whatever, and see if I could improve that. So to me, I think that sort of time tracking, making sure that everything is logged, plays a big part because you never actually realize the amount of time that you waste during the day just by doing really silly random stuff uh, until you track your time and understand exactly where the time goes. Yeah, I'm trying to find like the right tool to like capture all of it. It always ends yeah. up being Apple Notes just because yes. it's always with me and I have terrible handwriting. Uh, and like, if you even like looked at this, I hope no one's reading this actually on YouTube, but it's like just scribbles. Like I can, I can read it in my head. I can't actually read it out loud to somebody. I'm like, I think I know what this means. It kind of has a sense to it, but it's so hard to like actually write like that. Like that looks really organized. Mine would just be a big fingerprint smudge like all <laughs> over it. So I can't do that, but that's that's awesome. You can do that, and I hope others who are listening can can try that. If you have a nice handwriting, I don't have a nice handwriting, so I can't. But capturing it is the key. Absolutely, and use whatever tools you you can. Actually, is I've tried everything available. 
Um, I, it just didn't work. Um, I'm doing the same for food as well. So I need to get better at uh, understanding calories and in calories out, all the yeah. kind of stuff. So using, using like the, the My Fitness Pal or something. My Fitness Pal, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was thinking about even making my own because I just seriously? don't like that one. There's so much crap in it. And it's like, there I just, just want to see the number. Just give me the number. I'll put the things in per, per email. Yeah. That's all I need. That's all I need. A little but, tip as well. Um, so I worked on an app called uh, Meal Prep Pro. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. So not sponsored or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so we just designed the app. Uh, but I think it's really cool because. Um, it gives you recipes for mm -hmm. the week. And that's where I struggle as well because I don't yeah. know what to eat sometimes. Like, yeah, just put whatever you want to do, like the calories you want to burn uh, or, yeah, mm -hmm. the maximum calories you want to eat and then, yeah, it gives you everything you need. For me, it's hard to like even just input it in because, like, I don't know where, like, if I'm looking at a plate of chicken, plate of rice, I how much is that? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, how do I capture that? And there's, like, an app, I think, in the Y Combinator last batch that um they like take a picture of your plate and it actually oh. figures it out for you was it the one with the scales as well that you will put it on the scales and it will like figure i it out don't know i just heard about it in an article and i'm like oh that's awesome i should try it and then i just never tried it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well actually i learned yesterday that companies can can be out of range of their calorie count they're legally allowed to be out of range up to like 20% or something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. So I didn't know that. And now I'm looking at all these recipes. I'm like, wait a second. Like, I'm pretty sure these are like way more than they're saying it is. That's kind of probably why I'm like, <laughs> it's hard, right. hard to manage. So but... you can see like, for example, you buy a burger, like it could be like 20% yeah. of this. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. I mean, it also depends on where, right? I think this is like a USA thing only. Sorry. Right listeners <laughs> but yeah no it's been a big struggle and i'm like what is this crap like all these people are putting this stuff into the food and i'm trying to like just be healthy and not have any problems but yeah um yeah there's so much like i want to do a lot of like design work for like medical stuff and and my girlfriend she does uh mental health for kids who are suicidal oh, wow. so we want to work on something in that space and hopefully give them some self care that they can like take home and like handle with themselves instead of like being with a physician at all times um but it's hard it's, it's a really difficult thing but there's so many cool things that that you're now inspiring me it's like oh i should just take the you know, bite the bullet and just do just it do so it. I, I, yeah. I can't wait to talk to you more about it because I'm definitely going to be asking you questions about it just hopefully you'll anytime <laughs> and i've got a conference next week um, yeah which actually is about all about this so I can't wait to uh, speak to people about the same sort of subject because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like so passionate about this. Um, so, yeah, maybe. Yeah, if there's, when that when that goes live, send me the link and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, definitely will do. I don't know if anybody's recording it. Um, oh, okay. I, I thought it was going to be a small conference. And then I spoke to the, the organizers like, no, actually, people are flying in for the conferences. <laughs> it's going to be like 100 plus people. I'm like, what? I just, yeah. Oh my mm. gosh. So are you nervous? Mm, not as much as I used to. So pre-COVID, I used to do quite a lot of conferences, but every single one was, oh man, there's like butterfly feeling in my tummy and stress. And like, yeah, the last minute when I actually get on stage, I felt like, you know what? I'm just going to say, I'm sorry, I don't feel well. and just walk out again. It's like, no, no, but I can't do that. So <laughs> play all these things in my mind and until actually I was talking to people there. And it's like, yeah, I feel fine now, but. 
Yeah, I not so friend, much now. It's kind of got better. I had, I had a friend who um, went to an AIGA conference. You know what that is? Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, he was doing one of the competitions, uh, student competitions, where they like basically do a branding project uh, three days in a row. And each day they work with like this amazing, like, you know, Michael Beirut or Paul wow. Cher or whatever. And so they work with them for like a couple hours each day. And then they present at the end of each day and or the next morning or something. And my friend, Kevin, uh, he was about to go on stage. We like just finished talking to John Maida. And then we like were about to send him off. And he's like, oh, my God, guys, like this is like too much. And then uh, his girlfriend at the time was like, oh, well, do you want to sip my drink? He goes, yeah, sure. And he drank the whole thing and then went right on stage. And I was like. Oh my god, this can't be good. But he was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. He crushed so he it. Smashed it. Oh wow. Okay. But it, it was just like very shocking to see that because I get nervous going on stage. He yeah. was super nervous. But that's a good trick, I guess, to drink a little bit right beforehand. Kind of calms that's the nerves. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, but I also might of... just throw up. So I know that's <laughs> maybe if you have too much, then yeah, that would happen. The last thing that we ask all of our guests on every episode is um, the opposite of what we've been asking the rest of the episode. Basically, the whole episode's about us seeing how you're shaping the design world through the projects and initiatives that you started or engaged with. Now, I'd like to ask you, how has design shaped you? I love that question. Yeah, I really do. Um, I don't know. I think, I think there's various layers to this question, which makes it really tricky uh, because... You could look it from a personal level or you could look it from a professional level. So if I look at the professional level, um, it shaped me in lots of different ways. So from being a lot more mature, engaging with people on social media due to my design work, meeting amazing people like yourself, which otherwise I would have never met um, if you want to be in for design and social media. Um, from a personal point of view, um, again, I think is the connections. It's also, um, I'm, I think I'm a, I used to be a, um, not as outgoing as I am now. I was kind of a little bit shy as a person. I would never really stick my head out and kind of get involved in events or conversations and whatnot. Where with design, when you start getting a little bit of recognition and people are actually, actually saying, you know, like, I like your work, you're doing well. You kind of build a little bit of trust and it kind of helped me get a, a lot better uh, reaching out and talking to strangers, which I would have never done before either. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. There's, as I said, there's many, many layers. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I can I can clarify any, any points if you want to. No, that was great. That That's awesome. Uh, uh, it's so interesting to see everyone's response to that question because we wanted to make something of a signature to the podcast and something that resonated with our listeners as well, obviously. And the name of the podcast is Shaping Design and how we understand the people that we're bringing on are shaping the industry itself. But uh, rarely do we ever see others ask about like how they've been affected by the industry. Um, and so I really appreciate your answer. Thank you for being so honest and open. And thank you for coming on. We have to have you again, especially when you launch another seven projects of yours. Um, I definitely want to ask yeah. you so many more questions about the skincare brand, but obviously at a time. Um, and I'm definitely going to ask you more questions about starting a physical product thing because I definitely <laughs> want to get into that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I was talking to a neighbor of mine and uh, I'm somehow now the person that this guy thinks he should go and speak to about physical products. He wants to launch like a chewing gum company. I'm like, I've no idea what, <laughs> where to start, but yeah, sure. That's kind of fun. Yeah, it's good. I like it. I like it a lot. That's cool. Well, wish you the best of luck with everything. And thank, thank you, so you again for coming on the pod. No, this was amazing. Thank you so much for having me.